I did a four-year business degree, dropped out of a two-year leadership graduate scheme to start a company, or at least join a, a company in the, in the very early days called Social Chain. Hi, everyone. So today, I'm very excited for this episode. It's a little bit different to normal. I'm actually joined by a very old friend from uni, Alex. And before we explain why, maybe we just give Alex the floor and, and let him provide a little background on himself and uh, why we're sitting here today. Thanks, Henry. Yeah, we've got an exciting announcement coming. Um, so my name's Alex. I am the marketing director at a company called Wiser. So we help and advise larger organizations on how to attract and retain talent. My background and why we know each other is through sport. We both played a relatively high level of rugby growing up. Uh, we met at university and I've always had a passion for business. So I did a four-year business degree, dropped out of a two-year uh, leadership graduate scheme to start a company or at least join a, a company in the in the very early days uh, called Social Chain. <laughs> So with the the two co-founders there, Don McGregor and Stephen Bartlett, uh, built that company for four years with the founders, and we had a phenomenal team, unbelievable growth journey. Learned a hell of a lot, made a lot of mistakes, as you can imagine when building a team at 24, 25 years old. Expanded our offices into Germany. We opened in New York, London, Manchester. Born and bred in Manchester, very proudly. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that was, that was kind of my, my passion really was how can we build a high performing team culture? How do we scale that over different markets? Um, and that for me has always lit a fire in me and, and that's kind of what I'm doing now. So in 2019, that business IPO'd, uh, a lot of the founding team left in that year too. And since then I've been, uh, supporting and helping companies, um, with their growth strategy, how they can build teams, uh, and really high performance culture. So that is kind of a synopsis of, uh, of, of my background. And should we talk about the, uh, little announcement? I think that's what we're here for, yeah. isn't it? Definitely take it away, my man. So we got speaking. So Henry and, and myself both went to university about 10 years ago. Henry went off into the performance world, worked across sport, Harlequins over in New Zealand with the rugby teams there, uh, special forces. And I went the other way in the business world, entrepreneur, entrepreneurial world, still building teams, but in a very different capacity. And we got, got speaking last year about our passion and just our curiosity and, and how those two collide. How does the business with the sport, with, with kind of the military, what are the universal principles that you can take from both of those to apply to the different worlds? You were building something. I was planning to, to start building something uh, of my own. And we just thought the partnership would make complete sense. So we have been talking now for the last four months mm. and building uh, a new media proposition called Elite Team Talks, in which we are interviewing leaders, people that have led high-performance teams, people that research high-performance teams, people that have been part of some of the best world-class teams uh, that have ever been, in order to give the leaders of today, the knowledge, the principles of how they can go about doing the same kind of thing. And I suppose from my experience, kind of in the corporate world, 
And even in the startup space, you'll see, you'll often get people get put into management roles that don't have or haven't had the the training or the knowledge or the frameworks or the principles or the things that you should do to build a really high performing team. They're often amazing at what they've done. They've been promoted into a managerial role. And what we want to do is dispel and give the knowledge of, of what are the tangible things which you can do to become a great leader and to build a really high performance team and culture within your organization. Fantastic. Yeah. So the genie's out the bottle. Um, some of you might be scratching their head thinking, well, I'm already listening to Elite Team Talks. So, you know, what's different? Um, Alex was very humble. I actually, as a, uh, as a, you know, head in a million different places, new entrepreneur was looking for any opportunity to try and avoid making <laughs> as many mistakes as I could. And I saw that his company that he works for now, Wiser, shout out, had won an award. Um, and we hadn't spoken since uni, had we? It's 10 yeah, years cool. and, you know, we didn't have a falling out. It was just, we both went separate ways. And and I basically hit you up and said, congrats. I know how challenging it can be. You know, I'm, I'm on the journey in, in the early days myself. Be cool to hop on on a call, on a on a Zoom and, um, and hear your learnings and see if I can avoid making some of those mistakes. And it was a bit of a pinch me moment because we got on the call and... You know, I talked about the last 10 years for myself and my background and Alex spoke about his and he was looking to launch basically a, a digital newsletter which takes the lessons from elite sport and translates them into practical action points for corporate leaders. And obviously, as you know, with, with the intro of this podcast, um, there's a huge amount of alignment there to what I was doing. So... <laughs> I think we were both probably like excited kids at Christmas because we realized there was this alignment and we went through, you know, what it is that is important to us, our values, our vision, et cetera. And, and there was just this real alignment. And I'm the first to say I have zero business experience before starting Elite Human Solutions last year. And that for me has certainly been something that I've had to upskill myself on. And there's still a huge amount of work to be done, but around business, marketing, brand, Alex is the 1% of the 1% and his experiences and track record speaks for itself. And also with the experience that I've had working within New Zealand rugby and UK special forces, you know, those are the case studies that people put up on their wall when they've done an MBA. And so we kind of felt there was this amazing synergy where we could both bring different perspectives, but also different skill sets from, from the environments we've been in. And so now in essence, what we are doing is, is not just this podcast here, but creating a digital newsletter, um, which Alex will, I'm sure, tell you more about. But in essence, that is doing exactly what we're doing on the podcast, but creating it in a highly practical, quickly um, consumable format so that leaders can take those points and within 10 minutes a week build their own industry leading teams and culture so really really excited obviously we sat down to speak and it was like you're on a third date and both of you really liked each other but no one wanted to admit it and about an hour and a half in to a three-hour conversation where we're chewing each other's ears off over lunch I said you know, I'm going to have to say it here and be totally honest with you. I'm sure we're both sitting here thinking it would be mad not to join forces and very, very excited to to call you a partner, business partner. 100%. And um, and yeah, it, it's a really exciting 
Yeah, next step. Next step, definitely. Have you made the first move? You heard it here first. Yeah, I did, unfortunately. <laughs> I wasn't but playing I'm, hard to get. I'm happy you did. And like you said, we want to bring the the best knowledge from people that have actually built world-class teams across business, sports, a whole variety of, of sectors, the arts, uh, special forces. You know, we we want to disp- kind of bring down the, the nuggets of gold, which you can apply in your everyday when you're building out a team. And the reason for email is, especially in the corporate world, we're spending 33% of our time there. A lot of hours, three to four hours a day spent in email. So we wanted to create something which takes you less than 10 minutes, sometimes less than five minutes to read, digest with practical frameworks, principles, questions to ask yourself as a leader, but also questions to ask your team and exercises which you can do with your team to really build that bond and the feeling of belonging and inclusion and high performance as a team. There is so much out there which we've both talked about and seen on an individual basis. So how can you become a a really high performer or an elite performer as an individual and productivity? Whereas once you go up the rungs and you're trying to lead a group of people to achieve something great, that's when it becomes difficult because everyone has different levels of form. Everyone has different experiences, backgrounds, perceptions. So how do you get people aligned on something and really motivate each individual, but also the collective team to achieve something, um, which hopefully we want people to achieve some of the best moments of their life together. Yeah, I think for us, one of the biggest drivers, you know, we've, we've really been honest and vulnerable with each other. It was a great exercise yeah. at the start before we we agreed to do this, you know, if you can't handle me at my worst, et cetera, all yeah, those yeah. sorts of things. And But one of them that we realised we were both totally aligned on was just the, some of the best moments of our lives have been part of, of teams and and, you know, I've spoken openly about within two weeks when I moved to New Zealand and worked in rugby over there, I, I was made to feel within that community that I belonged more than anywhere else previously, you know, outside obviously of family and, and friends, et cetera. So yeah, it, it's definitely something that's extremely close to our heart. Um, but now we've got that out of the way, yeah. maybe we we make you a little bit more vulnerable and put oh, you on the go. spot and ask you I'm some difficult questions. Now. All right. nervous. Cool. So the first question that I'd love... To, to hear from you is, can you recall a pivotal moment that changed the course of your life, whether it's related to what we're doing now um, or just on the wider scale? Yeah, I would say when I, when I was 13 years old, my entire upbringing was in rugby. My dad was a great rugby player himself, was my coach, and he was the vice chairman of, of the rugby club at the time. Um, and so my identity, my self-worth, the success that I got often was from being a really good rugby player, both at club and uh, uh, and within like the school system. And when I was 13, I developed uh, a really bad Achilles problem called Achilles tendonitis. And I actually couldn't walk for a few months and I couldn't run for a year. So in my head, I'm thinking, I'm going towards county, I'm trying to get into the sales system. You know, I, I, I thought my future trajectory was going to be in being a professional rugby player. And that was one of the hardest moments of my life to then have that ripped away mm. from, from not something, it was a genetic thing. It wasn't something that I got an injury or did anything particularly to, for that to happen. And actually that moment in my life was the hardest but actually led to probably some of the happiest moments because that same year we had a geography teacher come to school called Simon Jones, shout out Mr. Jones or Jonesy. And he 
wanted to really rebuild our school's water polo team. He was a water polo player uh, historically and he'd been successful. I think he played for Great Britain. He won national championships when he was at school. Um, and so he was like, anyone that's big and that can swim, come to training at 6 a.m. So first thing I'm thinking, there's no way I'm going to 6 a.m. training, no matter how injured and how depressed I was at the time. <laughs> so two, two or three weeks go by, he's on my case, every geography lesson, come on, you can, you can do it, get, get, do something with your natural abilities. And you can't run right now, but you can swim. That was the only thing that the doctor said I could do was go swimming. Um, ended up going down to the pool, first session, died. One of the hardest training sessions I've ever done. Um, but I started to build a relationship with him and also that group of people because we kind of had all come together and it was, we were starting it. It was like from mm. the ground up, we were building something. It was very, very exciting. And then we we went to our first national championships within the first year mm. of training. None of it has played water polo before. And so we ended up in the national championships. Um, second year, we win the national championships. And that's because of his vision for, and setting a, a, a really ambitious goal for that team and then working harder than anybody else out there. So we, he'd have us in training at 5 a.m. at the Aquatic Centre in Manchester. So bearing in mind, you've got to be there then. So like you're up at what, 4.30? Yeah. yeah, to get there. As a teenager. As a, as a 14 year old, 15 year old. Um, and then we'd go to school training and school training would be seven to eight. So you'd do two sessions in the morning. You might do weights at lunch and then sometimes after school. So that was built into me at the very early age of habits and and how you become successful is you have to work no matter how talented you are you have to really work hard and because we were doing that at such a formative age as a collective we then built so many bonds you can imagine 5 a.m mm. sessions three or four times a week you're going through something which is unusual and other people aren't doing mm. so it's a unique experience um, and then we won national championships all the way up to, to when we left school a lot of the, the team played for great britain so that I would say is the, probably one of the most pivotal moments of my life because it it made me realize that no matter what setback you have, there could be something great off the back of it. And it also entered me. In, I was a good rugby player, I would say. <laughs> you know, you were. Yeah, I yeah. was. Yeah, we played. But I wasn't great, whereas I was able to achieve greatness with that team. Yeah. So that uh, and those memories and we're, we're close still to this day I'm doing a, a high rocks with one of the a couple of the team uh, in a couple of months in Copenhagen so you can tell that we've created and we've kept that bond ever yeah. since that moment yeah I mean it, it's cool to hear obviously we're finding out more about each other aren't we as, as we go on this journey and, and it makes total sense in regards to I guess why you were attracted towards you know, social chain and being part of something from the start yeah. and, you know, knowing that you're on a grad scheme, which I'm sure was hard, but starting up a company is probably one of the hardest things yeah, yeah. you can do. You know, I've, within my network, obviously still speak to quite a few of the guys who were special forces operators and, and several of them have said starting a company is harder than military training, yeah. which, you know, to most people would seem mad, but but you stepped into that and, and that obviously, you know, has its roots in in what you were maybe behavioral norms were conditioned culturally yeah. you're around growing up yeah yeah i was attracted to that uh, and it came my parents weren't happy you can imagine i was on a graduate scheme with virgin 
who they saw as successful. You see Richard Branson. Yeah. A lot of people applied for it. I got onto it. So they saw I was on, I was sick because they both came from, my mum's came from a mining village and my dad and his family came from Africa. So me then going into do a degree in business and then a two-year leadership program at one of the biggest brands in the world was, was like, he's living the dream. Mm. Whereas it just wasn't fulfilling for me personally being in that corporate space. And so I just took a risk. Um, and you can do that at a certain age, no responsibilities, no kids. So I'm not saying everyone has the, is the situation where they can do that. But that for me was, was probably one of the biggest risks that I took, but the team that I joined at that time, obviously you had Steve Dom at the helm, two of the, the brightest people in the social space, knowledgeable, and just the attention to detail on everything that you'd get from, and you can even see it now with Steve in the podcast and why it's doing so well is, is phenomenal. So I was bought into that vision and one of my best mates, Michael Heaven, he was, he introduced me to that kind of team and that world. Mm. And to then go on that rocket ship, you know, well, I, I contributed to it, but it was the, the team, those two as leaders um, that really made it special and it made everybody believe that even though we were a bunch of kids, essentially at the time, some people 18, 19 years old, we were going against our competitors who've been doing this for 20 years and have all the relationships at all of the biggest brands in the world. And we didn't. And we're this ups, upstart in social, which at the time everyone's on social media now, but in 2014, 15, not everybody was on social media. And we were laughed out of rooms <laughs> by certain companies. I won't name names, but they, they were like, this is never going to take off. People don't want to advertise on Instagram, you know, the, the level of obstacles which we had to overcome, that was pivotal for me because it, it makes you believe that anything is possible. If you have the right mindset, the right team around you, the right belief and belief often comes from little wins, little tangible wins. So it's like, how can we get the little tangible win? How can we get better each day? How are we tracking that? Um, how are we scaling? How are we improving our, our happiness? How happiness isn't a thing in, in modern society, it's HR. So why don't we build a happiness team? That would make sense, right? We all want to be happy. We want people to perform better. So they need to be happy to perform. So we kind of looked at it from without the, the, the lens of having a 10, 20 year career in the corporate world more, how would we want to build a company and a company culture in today's world with this group of people, given the landscape and, and, and the, young, the, the relatively young nature of, of the average age of people. So that I would say was unique and was a phenomenal team. We, went on to do great things, became won awards in our industry, grew all around the world. Um, so yeah, two, I would say pivotal moments in sport and that one in, in business. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you for that. Maybe uh, we'll put you even more on the spot with okay. a little bit of word association. If okay. you're happy with that, Let's I've go. got some words written down here in front of me, which I've, I've decided to choose no peeking okay. um, because I think quite a few of them are, are relevant to, to yourself and you know, the story that you've just told. Um, yeah. The first one. Yeah. Team. Manchester United. It's two words, but we'll allow it. <laughs> Culture. All Blacks. It's two words, but we'll allow it. Is it just one word? Okay. It's I'll fine. No, no, no. It's yeah, absolutely yeah, fine. Okay. I'm just being picketty. Ignore me. <laughs> Manchester. Red. Sport. High performance. Work. Fulfillment. Fun. Friends and family. Family. My kids and my wife. 
it's a lot of words, but we'll we'll <laughs> we'll, we'll allow it. You know, we don't want yeah, everything yeah. to end before I've, it started. <laughs> I failed the word. Yeah, the intro name. podcast. We've actually dissolved the company. Yeah. Um, leadership. Empathy. Future. Innovation. Legacy. Impact. Awesome. That's better than the last three. <laughs> One word. No, that was cool. It was yeah. cool. It always gives a nice insight into, I think, someone's personality and, and their thoughts. Why don't we finish with some quick fire questions? Yeah. Um, maybe we just go back and forth. You ask one, I ask one. We've got some ones written down here that we could pick from, if yeah. you're happy to do that. Let's do that. Awesome, mate. So... I think you're kicking things off as the guest. Yeah. Guests first. Okay. Question number one. What was your favourite subject in school? Oh, so I loved PE. Obviously, I was a rugby meathead. So anything where I got to, to do something that was similar to that was, was a win. Um, but I actually loved DT as well believe it or not and wanted to be an architect until I think I was about 16 realized you had to do maths and was probably in my strongest meathead days and, and rugby was okay. was the be be and all at that time yeah and um yeah so I'd say probably probably yeah DT something creative like that alongside the sport yeah so if this doesn't work out then you career in architecture i am the worst <laughs> diyer you have ever met so Great. my fiance has done up um some places some renos before and i don't think she quite realized what she was getting herself in yeah. for with me so yeah i had unfortunately i had a dad who was so good he did it all yeah and just decided he enjoyed it so much he wasn't going to show me how to do it or maybe just saw how useless i was so Here we go. that's that's work in progress guys yeah love that answer Cool. Question for you. Yeah. If you could have coffee with any historical figure, who would you choose? Just one. Yeah, let's keep it at one. Um, I would go for Muhammad Ali because not just his ability to, his background and to rise to the top of the sport, what he then wanted to do, which transcended the sport, given the political landscape and just the landscape in general, I find that even more inspirational. And I just, I'd, I'd love to know what he went through, how he dealt with it mentally, who he had around him, to and then to, and then to keep going. And I think that's why he was able to to inspire so many people. It wasn't just his sports accolades; it's what he did outside of the ring. Um. <laughs> So yeah, he he would probably be the one, which I, I would have loved to have him on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt, I know. I was putting up a list of dream guests that we're looking to um, to nail down over yeah. the next 12 months and dream teams. And yeah, within that, he would be right up at the top, yeah. wouldn't he? You know, someone whose identity transcended sport. You know, yeah. you have them these days to a certain extent. You know, see a Khaleesi in rugby, if we talk yeah. about sport that we know well someone that's that's an icon for so much more than just that sport itself. But he's probably not a household name. No. You know, you have Bex, but I wouldn't say he went and did 
huge amount of charitable work or philanthropic work with that or was necessarily in the same ballpark as Muhammad Ali, you know, outside of the sport. I don't know if there's anyone you could think of. This, this had a similar impact. It's a difficult one, especially on the charitable side. So yeah, he, he would be the, the number one I'd, I'd want to speak to. Yeah. And, and probably living, I would say, obviously I'm a, a massive Manchester United fan. So Sir Alex Ferguson would be top of my list. To, purely for the fact of how you do that over such a long period of time. How you build team cultures, how you then reinvent a team. Especially in the sports context where you're losing players, not just to injury, but p people reach the end of their careers. Then you've got to rebuild the team, the infrastructure, the training, the mindset. What he did as a as a leader of the club, I think, is is phenomenal, and it's shown by by the, by where we're at, where we are now versus where we were back in the '90s when I was growing up. So, I'd love to pick his his brains and how you could transfer some of that into building, recruiting a team in, in the business world. I think that would be fascinating. Yeah. I mean, I grew up as a Man U supporter too. And although I wouldn't by any stretch say I'm as passionate about football as I'm rugby. I mean, we grew up in the golden era, yeah, didn't we? Good. The treble and just the the names that you could list off and, and what he created. I'm sure quite a few people listening would have seen the Beckham documentary on Netflix as yeah. well. And that was a fascinating yeah, insight into, into how ultimately he... You know, family is such an overused word within working world, but ultimately he was that father figure, wasn't he? To that that young David Beckham, but also created this this sort of this ideology, which is actually, from what my experience is, and I can only speak on behalf of that, is similar to is is New Zealand rugby. Yeah, you know, the I is never bigger than the us. Uh, and, you know, you've got the captain sweeping the sheds, yeah. you know, he didn't allow, and I think that's probably why he, <laughs> yeah. on the documentary, he came across the times as quite harsh and maybe autocratic, but I think it was more that he wasn't willing to let anyone, however amazing they were, come before the team yeah. and the unity of it. That's so true. And the book Legacy by James Kerr about the All Blacks really digs deep into that there's no one bigger than the team. And it, in order to build anything successful over a long period of time, you have to make the harsh calls. Like the Beckham call was harsh. Yeah. When you watched the documentary, it felt very, very harsh. But if you think about what that team then went on to do with one of the biggest icons and best players leaving, it, sh it showed that what his belief in his, and, and what he wanted to create was correct, even if maybe he, he might've changed the way he went about it uh, recently. Yeah. So maybe we should finish on that with Fergie. We're yeah. coming for you and we will buy you a horse if, yeah. if necessary. Um, <laughs> no, he's definitely one. He was on that list yeah, yeah, for, yeah, yeah. for us to to find a connection to. I think I know a couple people with United. So hopefully. Yeah, I've got a connection. I mean, it's probably going to take 10 years now. I've said that, isn't it? But yeah. it would be a honour and a privilege to have him yeah. on this. So um, if anyone's listening and he's, he's your third uncle twice removed, please reach out. Tag us in. Tag definitely. us in. Definitely. And, and what can what can people expect from us moving forward 
terms of the podcast and the newsletter? Yeah, really good question. So um, you could probably expect slightly slicker editing than yours truly, um, longer term in regards to the podcast. Hopefully you've stayed with it so far. No, in all honesty, I think what you can expect is for us to continually evolve what we're providing people with. Um, and the way that we are looking to do that is really around our core values, which is learn, simplify, share and impact. So we're going to be holding ourselves accountable and, and I hope you guys will too with all the feedback you're providing around how much more can we provide you with that you wouldn't get access to. We're opening up the doors to organisations that people would never be able to step into from the outside and revealing what the universal principles are that have aligned or have allowed even all of these teams to to be the best in the world, but not just for a one-off, for, for decades at a time. Um, and then also, how are we simplifying that, you know? And, and that's the, the true mark of if you understand something, how are we simplifying that, making it relevant to modern day leaders and the challenges they face, the generational expectations around work and around connection and belonging now being greater than ever before. Um, and then share, how, how many people are we actually sharing this with? You know, yeah. that's one of our North, metri North Star metrics is the total number of listens, watches, total number of subscribers to the newsletter, to experience days that we put on as we build it out, to interactive workshops, webinars, Q&As with thought leaders in this space that you'd never be able to access. You know, these are all services and offerings that we want to give because we've had such amazing moments through being parts of high performing teams we want to provide others with that and i guess that comes down to the fourth and final value which is impact yeah you know and, and ultimately we're not going to be the ones i think that hold ourselves to account on that we'll have an idea but by and large it, it will be you you know that's why this was created so yeah hopefully that provides yeah the answer to 100%. that and, and what we're going to try and do is speak to as many people that we think will add value to you as a as a leader or someone that's building out a team. Sometimes it will be both of us interviewing them. Sometimes it'll be Henry. Sometimes it will just be me interviewing that person. And sometimes it'll be just Henry and me talking through some of the things which we've seen, listened to, heard, experienced that week from being in and around the, the brands like Kraft Heinz, the BBC, what they're going through with the transformation. Knight Frank, one of the largest property companies in the world. So we have access both to the corporate world and also with Henry's uh, background to the performance side, looking at an elite sport and special forces. So watch this space. There will be plenty more episodes and the newsletter will be launching very soon. Awesome. Thank you. And I'm very excited. Let's go. Cool. Lovely.